Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. 1 Peter chapter 3. Wives, in the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Then, even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. Don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. This is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. They trusted God and accepted the authority of their husbands. For instance, Sarah obeyed her husband, Abraham, and called him her master. You are her daughters when you do what is right without fear of what your husbands might do. Husbands, in the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered all Christians. Finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tender-hearted, and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will bless you for it. For the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life, and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil, suffering for doing good. Now, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer, for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good, if that is what God wants, than to suffer for doing wrong. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. So he went and preached to the spirits in prison, those who disobeyed God long ago when God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat. Only eight people were saved from drowning in that terrible flood. And that water is a picture of baptism, which now saves you, not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God from a clean conscience. It is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now Christ has gone to heaven. He is seated in the place of honor next to God. And all the angels and authorities and powers accept his authority. If you can hear this message, listen closely. 
to the exiled, misunderstood, or upside down. This is your message of hope. When problems come, use them. When enemies persecute you, love them. These struggles are a fire, refining you into gold. Look around. You are not forgotten. You are not alone. Challenge what is expected of you. This world is not your home. You are different. Good morning, everybody. As we've been in this different series, it's remarkable how much this has been challenging me as I continue to reread 1 Peter over and over again and get deeper into the text, and it just keeps coming alive. And this big thought that was just really driving me is, you know, this life, it's like the scripture Christy read, you know, the things we see, they're temporary, but what we don't see is eternal, and we'll be alive just for a brief moment in the grand scheme of things, but we'll be dead forever. So that's more real. But yet we're consumed with today, aren't we? The God of our bellies, our mind, our drive, desires. And Peter's writing to a group of Jesus followers that are under a massive amount of persecution. We talk about having a bad day. Let's compare ours versus theirs. Nero is the leader in that time period, and he has a massive amount of power trip going on. That he wants to rebuild cities so bad and kind of conquer and dominate that, that many report that he lit the city on fire just so that he could rebuild it again. And he blamed it on Christians because Christians had been threatening the way of life because now they, they can't be bought anymore. They, they're not of this world. They don't have a price tag. They start living differently, acting differently because this is not their home. They start having an identity in Jesus. They believe the statement that they are eternally accepted in Jesus. Can you say that this morning? I am eternally accepted in Jesus. That's good news. It means no one can take that from you because they didn't give it to you, did they? The master did. Jesus. And so they're living with this type of boldness under this regime. And Nero uh, is also so bad that when his mom started kind of questioning his ways, it's reported that he murdered his own mom. So this guy is not somebody we want to model our lives after. And so this is the backdrop of how the, the, the text is written to believers and people. And if you think about it, when you, this big idea of like, what, what are we... Um, doing in this world, and how do we win? I think every one of us want to win. I want to do something significant. I want to have something powerful in my life. And maybe your winning moment is you remember walking across the stage, getting your diploma or something. It's like, hey, and fans cheered or whatever. Maybe you're one, you know, person in the crowd. Or maybe the moment when you, you know, got married. What was the time that you think, oh, that's what winning looks like? And here, if we're not careful, I think what we have is too often the world's definition for winning creeping into how we define winning in Jesus. And let me explain. Is this. Jesus, I've been following you. When do I get the prize? When do I get blessed? He's like, you are blessed. I'm the prize. Yeah, I know, but when do I get the stuff? I signed up. When do I get in? You're in. Yeah, but when do I get the, you know, clothes? You got them. When do I get the home? I had no home. When do I quit having pain? I had tons of pain. 
You know, and I think we have this idea that somehow if I have stuff, then God loves me more. And if I'm healthy, God loves me more. And if I haven't went through anything, God loves me more. But who's saying that? The world's saying that. That's what they say. You turn on the TV. Turn, that's what they're saying. We're different. We got to live different. There's something in each one of us here today. You feel this call to want to forgive even when people don't deserve it. You feel something deep inside of you that says, let's waken this new life more and more and more as we look to our Lord Jesus. And how do they do this? How do these believers live not of this world confronted with the pains of this world? It's because different living is focusing on an eternal perspective. That's awesome. That's how we do it. We're staring at the wrong stuff. Staying, staring all the time down here instead of looking up. Oh, we live forever, y'all. Someone needs to tell me that this week when I get a bad report. We live forever. I'm eternally accepted. Now, if you're trying to build a church and we would think we're successful, maybe if, you know, uh, I've heard some people say, you know, one day when the whole back second row is filled and, or, you know, the upper deck. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. That, I don't know if the parking lot, when they built this, if you can actually have an upper deck. The parking lot's kind of full. That's why there's multiple services. And then maybe someone could say, well, once 10 o'clock is filled, then City Life is ready. We're in the game, baby. Yeah. Well, if we look at actually numerical results, City Life already is in the top 1% of church plants in two years. Well, we can compare ourselves. Yeah, but that's exciting, right? And we can compare ourselves, though. There's people, though, that are way ahead of us in that 1%. Okay? And you can constantly focus on them instead of wait. And, and we can start saying, well, look back at the 99. Man, we better than you, baby. No, no, no. Wait, no. It's about stewarding where God's put us for the people group that he's given us. I remember being challenged by a guy in Atlanta. He looked at me in the face. He said, you're going to plant a church, right? I said, yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. He's like, don't just go plant a church. It's not a fad. I was like, I liked it. I was like, tell me more. He goes, too often people come in and they just want to, you know, get something started and jet off to the next thing. He goes, what would it look like if people loved a particular region for generations? I was like, ooh, I like that thought. He goes, so think generational when you go there. I said, yes. It's not the cool, fast, quick model, build it, you know, microwave, let me go on to the next. That was awesome, genuine, because what it commuted to me is that your kids' kids are important, and we need to be thinking like that. That not just benefit today if we eat, but what about when we're gone if others will eat? That's a bigger perspective, a bigger perspective. Now, Jesus is so confrontational. Rick Warren says it like this, that he makes it really easy to kind of come in. Like the most marginalized people want to hang out with Jesus all the time. That's why I love him. Because you can't freak Jesus out. I don't care what you've done. Sat and listened to someone tell me for an hour last night all the stuff they did and it didn't matter. He couldn't freak Jesus out. In fact, the person he chose to write the most books in the Bible was a murderer of Christians. His name was Saul, who converted, and God changed his name to Paul. Powerful. Because God, I mean, if we knew someone got converted, that was like, oh, this person's been murdering Christians, but now they got saved. What would our first response be? I'm telling you, I'm probably not. Yeah, I want to follow him. <laughs> And that's how the Christians were at that time. They said, we need to know this dude's real. He was so real, though, he went away to learn. He was humble. He, in fact, he edified. He called others the super apostles. He had such a demeanor to him. Some of us, we've been changed for one week, and we're like, why is everybody not believing in me yet? Everyone's judging me. Everyone's, yeah, they are judging you. They're judging if you can rightly divide, 
you know, information, if you can drive effectively, make good choices, there's nothing wrong with that, right? There's nothing wrong with that, but they're hopefully not judging your eternal worth. There's a difference there. Now, I love seeing Jesus's big crowd moments because it looks like he's winning. And, but he has this unique, um, famous passage in John chapter six, this interaction where the, all these people come to him. This guy, he's performing miracles. We like it. He's feeding people. He's my kind of guy. This guy, is, he's, he's, you know, he's taking, he's like Robin Hood. He's, he's going to change everything. He's grabbing from power and he's giving it to us and we're in. And then he has this moment where he says, okay, you guys want to follow me? Eat of my flesh, drink of my blood. Come on. And he was not advocating cannibalism in that moment. What he was saying is you have to grab all of me, lose all of yourself. Everything that I am, everything that I stand for, I have no home, I have no place to go. In fact, one time they knocked on the door and they said, Jesus, your family's outside. He said, my family is those that do the will of God. You could think, Jesus, you're kind of harsh because you're just minimizing even family. No, he loved his mom. The last moments he's breathing, he tells one of his friends, take care of my mom. But what he was doing was magnifying the eternal conviction in the eternal dedication and how great the grand scheme is with him. Now, in this moment of John 6, eat of my flesh, drink of my blood, it says in verse 66 of that chapter that many heard that. You know what they did? They left him. They deserted him. Many disciples left that day. That's always stuck out to me because um, Jesus wasn't just into building something big. He was building something real. And he didn't want it to be fake. So there's no quick... Uh, get-rich scheme with Jesus. There's nothing like that. What there is, is eternal worth and eternal acceptance. And then along the way, he's a good father. He knows what you need in the right time. He'll comfort you through the pain. So here's that's what kind of lifestyle we're seeing. And I think of kind of this winning mantra. And you know, like, let the games begin. I think Peter's kind of writing. He's like, hey, Christians, let the pains begin. Keep going. Game on. I don't want that class. But that's exactly what's going on. Chapter starts right out the gate and it says, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word, meaning if the husband is not a believer, think of how deep in this is, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. It's been often said that behind every uh, great man is an even better woman. But behind many crappy men is an amazing woman. And not to stereotype for a second, but I'm gonna, is my experience on this planet, I mean, it's 37 years, it's limited. It's mostly in Michigan, from a village of Pinckney to Mason to Lansing. And I've been to Bogota, Columbia for 10 days one time. And so I'm, I'm fairly versed and I've been on Google Earth as well. And so I, I like to think that my perspective is quite broad. But what I've seen for the most part is women are a lot of times more holding it down. And shout out to all the men holding it down. But for the majority, it seems like women are holding it down and not getting the, the shine they deserve. And I've, this is pure speculation, but I just wonder if part of that is because, you know, through Eve came sin, and then now through the faithfulness of women, 
behind the scenes and Mary having Jesus, that now redemption for eternity is changing the game and God's cheering on them so many times, those that are faithful and pure and loving, even when the husband doesn't deserve it. Now, this has gotten totally distorted so often. Now, the leadership has been uh, abused and uh, men have domineered. Every man at some point in this life had a domineering posture. And we take this authority seat as almost like a worth seat. And when you're over doesn't mean you're more important. And when you're under doesn't mean you're less important. It's just different in roles and dynamic. In fact, as we go to continue, we're going to see that there's equal in worth. And so who, who's the, the spouse really submitting to? Is it the husband or really honoring Jesus in that moment? And now you need to hear this. For some people, you're in a, such an intense situation. It is time to run and leave and call authorities. And, and there's a time for that. But for others, I think God's champion, I, I see you. Keep going low. I see behind the scenes. Keep doing it. And here's why. Because the eternal mission is more. You might win them. Ladies, you feel like giving up? You might win them over. You just might. He might change. Just might change. The eternal mission is greater than the temporary position. It can feel like you're belittled, minimized. And what is the natural temptation to do when you're wronged? Oh, I'm going to take this into my own hands. Oh, you think so? Right? When somebody talks negative to me, my first thing to respond is defensive. To think, okay, let's go. And you start sizing it up. I have a few things I was saving too. And you stop and you think, God is trying to hit the erase button all the time. And if I could ask a simple question that moment with myself, Jesus, what are you saying? A lot of times he says, love them, forgive them. Because the eternal mission is greater than the temporary position. So what, I get defeated for a moment. So what, you get defeated for a moment. We win in the end. And then this doesn't mean that, okay, be a doormat. No, we stand up for all things that are right. The right thing is always right. There's your big, big point. The right thing's always right. You don't have to be convinced. You don't have to be compelled. You don't have to get money. You don't have to be motivated. The right thing is always right. And it doesn't matter who's looking. I remember when that perspective changed for me. I got pulled over. I had a cop behind me at six in the morning. Well, five in the morning, um, I was at 5.59. I'm at the light. I didn't know it was about to be six. I'm not, I just know it's super late. We were at the studio and there's a cop right behind me. So I'm like, okay, cop behind me. I get it. Your heart starts racing. I think, what do I have on me? I have nothing on me. And, um, and, and, and the, in the, it's, a, it's a flashing light because so, it's five still in the morning. Well, it turns six and it becomes a solid light. Well, I look both ways and I go across the street and sure enough, I get pulled over. I'm like, what? She goes, Jerome. She's known me since a kid. Jerome, great to see you. You just ran a red light. I said, no, I'm nowhere in a red light. I saw you right behind me. It was flashing. She goes, no, it just turned solid red. I said, oh, are you kidding me? And she goes, yeah, you need to be, pay attention. I said, I was so aware in this moment. I said, trust me, this wasn't those moments where I'm trying to like hide from you. And, uh, and we're having this interaction back and forth. And um, it goes to the point, I, was tr- I tried to say, I said, look, I have a higher authority now. I don't want to do what's wrong. She looked at me kind of weird. Yeah, I've noticed something a little different about you. Okay, be safe, go on your way. And there was something in me, though, that started, and she could have gave me a ticket, and uh, there's something in me, though, that said, you know what? I submit to you, 
not because you may deserve it or not. I submit to you because Jesus deserves it and he's awesome. That doesn't mean I'm always taking one for the team. There's a time to stand up, so you need to hear what I'm saying. But you know what? Why don't you read Peter and see how challenging it is? Don't take it from me. Start, start diving in yourself. Go do some homework. Let's go from spiritual milk to spiritual meat. We find out that we don't lose when it looks like we're losing. We don't. Because this is a big story that we're a part of, friends. And it kills to continue as you uh, look at the position of a woman. It says, do not let your adorning be external. Ladies, you feel this pressure all the time to look as pretty as what you see on TV. This is freeing right here. The braiding of your hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is God's. In God's sight is very precious. Some of us, we got dolled up today, and that's good. Get your shine on. As the prophet Deion Sanders would say, look good, feel good, play good. And there's a lot of truth in that. It's an expression. But you don't look good, feel good, and then you are good. In the gospel, Jesus gives you everything. And no matter how you look, you're always most beautiful. And so therefore, you are accepted. And really, modest really is hottest. And so if you got dolled up, that's the good. Yeah, it's so good. Um, God is not displeased when you get your shine on. He's not. He's displeased when you think that's how you get cool with him or cool with people. No one cares. Number one question I get asked about city life, number one question, what do I wear? I'm like, are you serious? What do you wear? What has happened in 2,000 years? What have we done? You know, I'm thinking, People say, where do you meet? You meet at Hill. Oh, that's great. When are you guys going to get a permanent building? I'm like, don't show pity on me. This is awesome. One day we'll have a building potentially and it'll serve the community like crazy and that'll be awesome. But man, we're a group of people that just happened to meet at Hill that could meet anywhere we're alive, yo. You must have missed what Jesus was talking about. I'm just, I'm just, I'm a little confused. What do I wear? Hey, look, Jesus says, come all, all. And it is so precious, the show that's going on the inside. See, the outer show, it fades. The inner show shines for eternity. Whew. How you're feeling on the inside. Verse 7, fellas, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. To understand biblical authority is a lot different than how you'll understand worldly authority. Worldly authority, you work, you get a paycheck. Biblical authority, you are, so therefore now you go. Someone's in the family, it doesn't, my kids don't rule me, but they're not less than me, right? We, I even try to change verbiage and say things, uh, so Crystal and I, which is not like mine, 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 or, you know, who bought that? And who's guilty of that? Me. You know, whose money is that? You know, you didn't earn it. And they can't, what, that's so dumb. They can't earn it. And uh, they, nor should they, right? They're your kids. Um, but that's just a, a, a low uh, motivational technique that we use because we really don't know how to get them to behave in the moment. So what we do is try to motivate them with fear. So try to control them and manipulate them. And next thing you know, you're thinking, wow, I'm just like my parents, 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 right? And uh, 
Okay, I just described my situation, no one else. But it's so real. And, 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 and if we're not careful, we start to think weaker vessel woman. And I loved how one of the uh, college students um, at Great Lakes Christian College came up to me between the service and he said, as I've been studying this idea, it's not that, it's not like the weaker vessel. It's like weaker vessel, like fine chining to be, China to be delicate and pure and precious. And, and, and husbands are supposed to have that type of posture to say, oh, this is amazing and beautiful, not as strong physically, but I love and cherish because you're a co-heir with me. So therefore, I might represent the head of Christ, but you're the body of Christ. And so we're in this thing together and we're equally worth the same. Our roles are different, but we're positioned and we have to do this thing together. Otherwise, our prayers will be hindered. Now, if anyone has been in a state of fascination, we call it in our household, with your spouse, significant other, if you know what it's like when you start trying to pray to God. It's a force field, and it's as if you're, if you're shooting prayers up, they're getting shot right back down. It's like, this is exactly how it happens to me. And I go to pray, and I'm like, God, what is Crystal doing? It's like, it's just right back on me. What are you doing? You know, what is, I can't wish she'd change. Right back on me. It's like he can't, I mean, he's not even listening to me. And so the prayer I've always, the answer to the prayer I've always heard regarding Crystal is go love her. Okay, so go lower. Hey, babe, I'm sorry. I should have done this. And it's as if God hears me in that moment that quick. It's remarkable. Suck up my pride. Go say sorry. And then my prayers get heard. Sometimes that takes two weeks. <laughs> Verse nine. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may, may, may obtain a blessing. Anybody can be good to somebody who's nice to, to them. It's easy when you're winning. You won the championship. Oh, how do you feel? <laughs> we won. Disney World. How's the losers feel? It's, you talk about what is the picture of just so anti-gospel. It's how the, the losing team feels for the championship. It's just like they're crying, devastated. And God put that type of desire in them, so it's not necessarily all bad, but it's really bad when we start to tire our identity towards it, with it, connect it. Has anybody been so driven that when you don't win, you don't feel significant anymore? We actually show God's power the most when we're losing. God had four different crowds that I see many times that he's talking to. Masses, he tells all kinds of people things, and then he's got 12 real close. How did he change the world with 12? And he's got three favorites in that crowd where he says, come here. He's kind of grooming them for the next level. Then he's got these one-on-one interactions where he's checking leaders or he's repurposing people that have fallen, and he's loving them and giving them, you know, dignity. But he talks differently in different settings, So you got to think, what setting are you in? How do you respond in it? And there might be an appropriate response for each setting. But never repay evil for evil. Verse 12 says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. God opposes evil. It's his battle. 
Now, we represent that many times where we can stand up for injustice, and we should. But ultimately, God's going to fight it. And how we stand up, I think, is really the most important piece, whether or not we do stand up or not. It's how we stand up, the qualities, what's in your heart. God's always time searching our hearts. What's in your heart? Why are you doing that? How you, why'd you respond that way? What are you thinking? You know, because he's face-to-face with evil. Did anybody see the McGregor-Mayweather face-to-face stare down, you know? He's got right up in each other's face, and McGregor's, like, you know, standing there. Mayweather was wearing shoes, so he's a little taller than him in that moment. And, and, uh, and uh, McGregor, he was, like, just like this, and he was clenching his butt cheeks, and I won't go into any further descriptions. But, but he was, like, face-to-face, and they were just ready to duke it out. And then they, they, they boxed, and we all bought it, and then they're hanging out afterwards, drinking wine, and um, talking about, you know, hundreds of millions they got, and... We're wondering if it's real or not. I don't know if it's real or not. I'm not speculating that, but I just know the joke was on me to some degree. And, um, and, but I enjoyed it, and I was excited, and I'm grateful for the entertainment. But I think about that, that just silly analogy and illustration to say this, that God's eyes are on the righteous. His ears hear the prayers of the righteous, but he's face-to-face with evil. He's face-to-face. It's his stare down. I want him to see us, approve us, know what's going on, on the inside, and we do that by living different and doing what's right, period. Verse 15 says, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord. This is where we begin to land the plane. This chapter ends so powerfully because it doesn't compel you to honor your boss or honor your loved one or your family member. It just honors, it compels you to honor the one who saved you, saved me. Honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Now, this verse has been the apologetics verse for anybody that wants to have a a claim and a case to defend their faith. And so, if we're not careful, what we could think is, I need to take a bunch of classes so that now I can respond effectively to somebody that's questioning what's in me. But we have to understand that this verse is packaged right in the center of people that are going through some really hard times. And so going through really hard times is the qualifying factor for actually giving a, what, what is in you. And then how they do that is with gentleness and respect. And they're just so kind and meek and loving. Wait, why aren't you mad? And Jesus forgives you. What? God forgive them for they know not what they're doing. I had a situation... Um, a couple weeks ago, and I remember thinking, okay, I'm for sure right. This person is for sure wrong. This game plan is atrocious. And I think if I laid out the game plan in front of anybody, that in a court of law, I'd win. And I I think it would be unanimous. And I could, in that moment, stand up. I don't agree with this game plan. I think it's, you know, and there's times I was tempted and even threw out a few zingers. You know what zingers are. Zing! And threw out a few zingers and got them. And I felt the Lord was just saying, look, I've called you to honor in this moment and execute the mission. Wow. And I remember praying, God, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. And it is, I could feel the grace of God saying, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Woo! Woo! I was like, what? You know, it's, it's just looking around. It's just, I don't like what I'm seeing. He's like, no, but now you're tapping into how I'm thinking. You're tapping in differently. You're getting, you're drilling past the surface. 
You're starting to understand this milk to meat more and more and more. I'm not interested in just what you see. I'm interested in the hearts of people, in the way you could submit, in the way you could honor in the midst of this nonsense, that you might actually be able to grab someone's attention and affection more for me because you were the one I prayed, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing as well. (sighs) Okay. All right. And so we're in this thing together. I'm not over somebody because I had a better plan. In fact, I'm the person that had bad plans. So God's grace was met me so many times and he meets us more and more and more. And so as I give a defense or, and, and I think you could kind of define that simply, just being able to state the basics of Christianity. I mean, I was dead in sin. Jesus found me like crazy. I gave him all my life and I got new life and no one can take that away from me. It's awesome. One day I'm gonna have a home in heaven. What? It's crazy. You don't know when you'll, you'll get a return on that investment. I remember telling it to somebody. They looked at me. They laughed at me, mocked me. Three years later, I was rapping at a bar in the temple club. This person comes up to me with tears in their eyes. say, hey, you remember me? You remember me? I'm the person in the driveway that made fun of you. But once you shared that with me, it kept haunting me for weeks. And I heard you share the gospel tonight. And I just gave my life to Jesus. And I just thankful for you sharing that moment with me in your, in your driveway. It's like, what? I remember laying in my room thinking I didn't represent Jesus well in that moment. God can take even what you see as a mistake or an error and he can make it great. A temporary pain can be an eternal gain. So maybe it's okay to be rejected than living a lie, than to be accepted by men and live and die. I would rather live with Jesus in him, for him, always. And this is our song. This is why we gather today. This is, this is the message to the saints. This is for all people. And if you don't know Jesus, come home. Come home. He's been calling you a long time. Long, long, long time. Verse 17, for it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. That comma, if that should be God's will. It's okay to ask, God, am I supposed to suffer in this moment or am I supposed to stand up? There's times in Acts where they look at authorities and they say, you're straight up wrong. And I come to you on behalf of the Lord. And there's other times like where Stephen, and he just falls down on his knees and commits his spirit to God after he just gave a defense for where his faith came from. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. This verse is one of the most power-packed, dense verses, they say, of the whole Bible because it sums up exactly what Jesus did. Simple this. They call it penal substitutionary atonement. So you want to act smarter today? I get to act smarter. You get to act smarter. We both learned a big, big term. Penal substitutionary atonement. And what that means is this. The payment that you and me owed because of our sin, Jesus paid it substitution, our life for his life, a complete exchange. And then atonement at one meant that instantly we're made right with God when you put your faith in him. No, nothing, anything, anyone could separate you from that love of God, that harmony that exists. This is exactly what it's describing. So it says no matter what your pain is, the suffering, the reports, yeah, it's really difficult. I get it. I get it. I get it. But do you see the eternal glory that you're going to have? 
Do you know that there's no more potholes and when you're driving, there's going to be streets of gold? Do you know you're not going to be worried about the board and water light because you're going to have a mansion? Do you know that there's going to be a boss that's a good ruler because it's going to be authorities that God has sent and commissioned? Do you know that all your tears will be captured in a bottle, that you could all the stories of your life will be read out and it will be fine because every moment will be erased that was bad. It'll be all gone. That's what it'll be like in heaven. No more pain, all eternal gain. Friends, this is all made possible through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. That's authority. That's true submission. And so the, the wife that is holding it down, the person that's finding more beauty on the inside, the husband that's considering their wife as an heir of Christ, the exiles, the foreigners, the sojourners, the aliens, they call it, all these people that are experiencing this great, great turmoil under Nero, that, hmm, it's okay, there's a new power structure coming. When we are so weak, that's when Jesus is at his peak. I want you to measure something today. Measure the distance between the ground and your knees. And it's been said, though, that no matter what battle you face, the quickest place to victory is whatever that distance is. For mine, it's shorter than yours. It's like 20 inches, maybe. And you just fall down, and you literally pray to God. God, I can't do it on my own. I'm weak. I need help. God, sometimes I want to take matters into my own hands. God, I pray that you'll give me patience and forgiveness and mercy. And you start doing that, and then you just listen. What you gain is just that closeness with him, that closeness. And you become more like him. And I know there's some situations in your life that you, you want to take into your own hands, and I want to challenge you to maybe just fall on your knees today. There's only one time that you'll be able to give God your pain, and that's when you're alive. Because when you're dead, there'll be no more pain. There's only one time you'll be able to give God worship when it doesn't feel like worshiping. Because when he's there in all the fullness of glory, there's no more darkness. Ooh, it'd be so indescribable. We'll just want to worship. You know that uncomfortable moment, like you, do you clap in between songs? And we're kind of lively sometimes. I was, my buddy said, you know, seems like we got a little bit loose a little bit more. I said, you know, he's not from here. I said, dude, you're in Michigan now. We're like buck wild, <laughs> you know? Seeing us in a couple of years, we might look like the South. If you've ever been to the South, they just get, you know, Chick-fil-A. That's home of Chick-fil-A. They make you feel uncomfortable, you know? My, my pleasure, sir, you know? So I want to challenge us to say, what is the pain that you're going through? Give it to God now. Because one day you'll never be able to give it to him. Because there's purpose in our pain. I felt like the Holy Spirit, when I was praying for us this morning, um, said this, all you go through, Jesus is there and cares. But I think he wanted to make it even more personal to say this. If I could just kind of step out there. I believe God wanted to say this to each one of us. Everything you're going through, all you go through, I am there in care. 
And then, well, God, why don't you solve it? He, sometimes, though, him just being there is better than him solving it in the moment. He might have something bigger in store. One preacher said, if it's not good yet, then it's not over. It's not over. It's not over. When you get a report you didn't want, you lose a loved one you didn't want to lose. Seems like you get online and somebody lost somebody else. Somebody's going through something. And I just keep hearing the words of Peter reminding us, hey, 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 you guys, think different. Though you're exiles, I get it. But remember the resurrected Jesus. Remember him. He's over everything. And he sits at the right hand of God. Wow. If you guys would uh, close your eyes and kind of take inventory right now. As we close, this isn't... um, about me. This is about you and Jesus. And I think Jesus said to each one of us is, all you're going through, I'm there and care. You're here today and you say, you know what? I've been focusing more on the outer issues and the show that's going on the outside. I need to focus more on the inside show for God alone that I'm eternally accepted. I want to pray with you. Would you raise your hand if that's you? I see hands going up. It's all good. My, hair, my hand's up. I want to focus more. I think something happens sometimes when we respond. Jesus many times says, hey, come on, come, follow me. Something about a response, like getting out of our comfort zone, just simply lifting our hand, saying, you know, God, you see us. We need your help. We're weak. We know you can be at your peak when we're struggling. God, will you... Meet your people where they're at. You see hands raised. You see hearts. You are gripped by the stories. You weep. You cry. You care. But you're so near. God, today I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that you'd give comfort, you'd give peace, and you'd give healing to all of your people. For some, that report won't come here. It might come in the next life. But God, would you give them the sustaining power to walk through it, to change the story for generations to come. They might be first generation walking this new path right now, today. Power and encouragement in the name of Jesus. You might have been wrong so many times that you just want to get back. I pray today you hit the reset button. Lord, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. You walk in the newness and the fullness of Jesus today. God, people here that have been abused physically, emotionally, I pray today that you would erase the pain. You would begin to do a new work and just a love story that you would show that you're a good father, you're a good leader, and that you don't abuse, you don't force, and it's your kindness that leads us to change. God, for those that experience anxiety in this place, pray for a stillness. Those that feel like misfits, that they never fit in, it's okay. It's okay. You're, different. You're different than others around you. The quirkiness, all that God made. Be you. Be free today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelancing.com. You belong here.